Hello again, listeners. Welcome to Kino Inferno, your favourite movie podcast, featuring the Wario and Waluigi of film criticism, Aiden and Mark. <laughs> so I thought you were going to say my name. I got really <laughs> you threw me there. I was hoping you'd jump in and say Mark. I, I was still kind of thrown by the fact that you referred to me as Waluigi. <laughs> I like that you've assumed that you're Waluigi. If anyone here is Wario, it's you. <laughs> I mean, I am built like Wario, it's true. <laughs> I more meant your powerful facial hair, but... <laughs> I've got the Wario physique. <laughs> I'm I'm not as gangly as Waluigi, but he I can does make go, it work. Wah! To be fair, that is a noise I make on a daily basis, so... Anyway, this is one of our bonus episodes, our getting to know you episodes... Uh, you've already gotten to know me. Today, we're going to get to know the Waluigi of film criticism, Mark Smith. <laughs> Honestly, I'm fine with that being my title. I'm, I'm going to lean So before that. we jump into uh, the questions that I've prepared for you, tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark. Age, uh, so sex, location. I... <laughs> <laughs> Is this Habbo Hotel? Yeah. Hey, that's throwbacks for you. Um, yeah, so I'm Mark. I'm 28. Um, I'm single. <laughs> Libra. Alcoholic. No. Um, I, yeah, so I'm a writer, uh, primarily. Um, so I've known Aiden since our days at university. We've collaborated on a couple of films and projects together. Um, at the minute, I do a bit of screenwriting on the side. Uh, I've got a few things in the works, nothing major. Um, but I mostly write content for websites like What Culture, I've written for comic book resources, um, video games uncovered, places like that. So, yeah, that's what I do. I have a brain full of encyclopedic bullshit on films and games, and people pay me money to write about yeah, it. And so, he's now um, legally obligated to introduce himself at any function as Hi, I'm Mark from What Culture, and these are the 10 <laughs> horror movies that you should have seen that you've not seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mark from War Culture. Here's ten things about me you want to know. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, there you go. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm contractually obliged to say that. Now, so. um, yeah, no, what, yeah. What what culture are a good bunch to to write for? Yes, search them out on YouTube. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's. I don't me. know why we're promoing War Culture. I don't think they need our. They don't yeah, need I don't our. Know. I mean, like. <laughs> Hey, what culture? Pay me my money. No, cut yeah. that out. <laughs> Give us money, what culture? We've mentioned you on every episode, I think, at this point. <laughs> it's like if we say Sky Digital enough, they'll give it to us for free. Uh, I'm also just going to say Pringles. 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 Um, they want to send us some stuff. Uh, uh, Nescafe Azira powdered coffee. Because <laughs> that, sh- that, that shit's expensive. It is. So. It is. Um, <laughs> Just on the off chance, let's mention Apple, Panasonic, Sony. Um, yeah, Sony, give me another PlayStation. I'll have two. Yeah, I kind of want. I want to <laughs> hang on. Yeah, I do want a PS Five, even though I normally play it on PC these days. Uh, there's some good PlayStation exclusives, so Sony. Let's mention Sony a few times. So I, I want to play God of War Ragnarok, and I want to play um, the new Ratchet and Clank. Um, I've just finished the new Ratchet and Clank. How actually. was it? Uh, really, really good fun. Um, but because I've not played a Ratchet and Clank game since like the second one, I couldn't give less of a shit about the story and the characters. Oh, yeah. But I had a really yeah, good time. Get... I, I I really enjoyed playing it. It was a lot of mm. fun. I saw some footage from it the other day, and it gave me console envy. I want a PS5 now just to play Ratchet and Clank. Legitimately, the only reason I really bought it was because everyone was telling me this was the game that kind of showed off what the PlayStation Five yeah, could yeah. do. And yeah, no, it it does. Like there's 
so many explosions and stuff like yeah it's great it was really good who fun. would have thought that ratchet and clank would outlive jack and daxter at the time i think that's because i because I, mean, I really like the jack and daxter games but it's because with jack too and as much as i like that game and a, a mutual friend of ours is gonna hate he hates me every time i mention this but like i really like the second and third yes. ones but they go really weirdly edgelordy yeah out of jack nowhere. too is especially edgelordy that's why you turn to the demon version of jack right and it's like weirdly like Grand Theft Auto style. Yeah, right. No yeah, yeah, that's whatsoever. right. Because the first one is like it's like fucking like Crash Bandicoot kind of level, and then yeah, it's very whimsical. Yeah. And, and then the second bright. one, yeah, you're right. It's like GTA because you can like run around nicking cars and stuff, can't you? Yeah, because I've got the first Jack and Daxter downloaded on my PS5. I was playing it again recently, and yeah, it just strikes me as so weird how it went from like fun, bright, colorful kids game to GTA. Mm. But yeah, I'm. I'd, I'd happily replay uh, Jack 2 all the same. Um, anyway, shall we dive into the questions I've prepared for you? Instead of talking Sony. about play- yeah, Sony, Sony, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Pringles. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, okay, so question the first. Uh, kind of a, a predictable question, but I've got some, some slightly different ones here, but uh, this one is, Go for it. what is your go-to Lazy Sunday film? Um, the immediate answer is The Fifth Element, which I believe we obviously mentioned on your bonus episode, because like, I, I'm pretty sure I described that as my Sunday afternoon movie. Uh, that's definitely one of them, and there's been many a Sunday afternoon where I've been really hungover when I've just watched The Fifth Element. Um, Forrest Gump is another one. I really, really like Forrest oh, really? Gump. Um yeah, I don't know what it is. There's just something really enjoyable about that movie. I like that it's, you know, it's like an American tall tale thing and Tom Hanks is really good in it. And It's one of those movies that so much happens in it that you can kind of... If I put it on at any point, I can just watch the rest of the movie from that point, if you get what I mean. Yeah, really. uh, I've got to be honest, Forrest Gump has never been a favourite of mine. But there's, there's just I don't know what it is. I just like it. I just it's, There's something really kind of like comfortable about mm. it. But no, for example, uh, The Goonies, because I loved that oh, movie yes, since I was yes. a kid. Um, uh, watched, again, watched that many Sunday afternoon, probably a demonic hangover. Um, those are probably the main three. Mm. Uh, the, I know what the worst movie I watched on a Sunday afternoon was. <laughs> what was that? Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, fuck me, that's yeah, that is an a, abortion a stinky, of a movie. stinky poo. It's just, just... Every scene, I was like, Why? Why? Why is this happening? Why have you done this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Those those will probably be my three answers. Actually, okay. yeah. Goonies. Oh, Hocus Pocus as well. I fucking love Hocus mm, Pocus. Stay tuned. Mm. Um, oh yes, so yes, of course. Uh, yes. Okay, so well that was that was concise. Uh, let's go to number two. What is your earliest cinema memory? And to clarify, I don't mean what's the earliest film you remember seeing. I mean cinema in the sense of like the theater. Um, I very vaguely recall, I think Hunchback of Notre Dame, but I like barely remember well, that. That's going back a few years. To the, yeah. Um, my dad and mum always talk about how they took me to see Toy Story at the cinema. I have no recollection of that. I whatsoever. vaguely remember seeing Toy um, Story at the cinema. Vaguely. Yeah, I've, I don't have many memories of that. Um, Hercules probably. Yeah. I think Hercules. Yeah. I guess that's like. Yeah, might be one late of the nineties, right? So. Yeah, that's still my favourite Disney movie as well. I really love Hercules. Whoever thought to uh, take the story of Hercules and set it to 
uh, like soul music. Yeah. Fucking genius. It has some great Absolute sounds. Genius that, yeah. It has some of the best Disney sounds in that film. I, I think every song in the movie is good as well, mm. which I can't say about most Disney movies because mm. I'm not huge on Disney. This is another thing. Like, I didn't massively grow up with Disney movies, so I've not got this, like, insane attachment to them. Like, I think The Lion King is fine. Also, uh, Meg it's from fine. Hercules is bangable. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of Jessica Rabbit, I'm not usually into cartoon women, but no, I think it's it's the personality. I think, I think. do you know what? I, I um, look at, I, I've joked about this before, but I look at Meg from Hercules and I'm like, I think that defined my taste uh, in women from a very <laughs> early age because she's like a, a complicated woman, but she's also like a sultry brunette. And uh, well, Mark knows me well enough to know that that is. Um... <laughs> yeah, look, looking back at. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of casting my mind back in the years I've met you, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of mega is. <laughs> That's all it is, baby! <laughs> I also uh, also the other thing about Hercules, James Woods as Hades is mm, just yeah, perfect. Um, I also love the whole thing where a lot of people have watched it now and they've just sort of come come to the realization that Hades is just Meg's gay best friend. Yes, like their entire dynamic is she's a fag hag. And <laughs> he's, he's just like because I, I love his little line about when uh, Meg's talking about how different Hercules is, and his response is he's a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just really great. Um, yeah, Hercules, um, Monsters, Inc. I remember seeing that in the cinema. Mm. Uh, that was quite fun. But it was probably like, what, 2001, 2002, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's mostly kids' movies, obviously, because I would have been a child. But, yeah, Hercules is probably the furthest back I remember. Um, Which of the monsters from Monsters, Inc. do you think you would be in the live-action adaptation? <laughs> I thought you were going to ask which one I'd fuck. Yeah, well, but we, okay, we can do both. Which one do you think you'd be? Well, the obvious answer, the obvious answer is either Jennifer Tilly's snake-haired lady or Mike Wazowski. So. You wouldn't get a good hard banging off a Sully. <laughs> no, well, I don't know if I'd survive it. Dude, I, th- I reckon Sully's quite a considerate lover. I think he might. I think he has bottom energy, personally. Yes, he's like a power bottom. <laughs> <laughs> like. I nearly choked on my coffee. My Nescafe is zero coffee. He is like, yeah, he's the kind of bottom where like you don't have to do a lot of work. <laughs> he's pushing it, pushing hate, it, pushing it. I I hate how we've gone from a discussion of my earliest childhood <laughs> memories of the cinema to how much of a power bottom. So which of the monsters in cast you'd fuck? <laughs> I mean, I was asking, I was asking you which one do you think you'd be because I was gonna like whatever you said, I was gonna be like, J.K. You'd be Randall. But. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. Deeply offended. Deeply offended. Yeah, no. Um, what about Wharton? What about Wharton like... Would you fuck Wharton <laughs> I feel like I'm Roz, the receptionist. Yeah, no, you've got Roz energy. <laughs> Wazowski. Would you shag Roz? <laughs> Just to say I did. <laughs> Just to say I did. Um, okay. um, oh, this, is, this is getting uh, weird. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> Your, epi- your your bonus episode was positively tame comparatively. I'm very concerned. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of that discussion is going to stay in the part of it. Anyway. <laughs> quest- Moving on. The real question for you, appropriately enough, is um, what film do you show to new friends if you want to freak them out a bit? Oh, this is easy. Sleepaway Camp. Every yes. time. Without fail. Sleepaway Without Camp fail. is a classic I... uh, I, it's become almost tradition amongst my friend group that if we all hang out at my house and we're all having drinks and want to watch a movie, if somebody in the room hasn't seen Sleepaway Camp, we watch Sleepaway Camp. Uh, it's, a, it's a dicey movie it's... in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, it's and uh, I've I've had a plethora of reactions to it. Nine times out of ten, everybody still enjoys it, and you obviously will know why it gets such the weird reaction that it does. But everybody at least appreciates it on the same level that I do. They find like the dialogue to be so quotable. Um, you know, what's up, gags? This is a weird one. <laughs> that is one that um, I use to this day. And uh, the the classic eat shit and die, eat shit and, eat, live. Eat shit and live, yeah, which is just you, you can't ah. Oh. Wow, perfect dialogue. Uh, there's also the, the um, paedophile chef, uh, who upon seeing a bus full of children arrive, goes, "They call them boldies where I come from." That is like not even five minutes into that fucking movie. Yeah, I, I, I like happens. how the other dude is just like, "Oh, you." <laughs> yeah, they, they're just fine with it. Yeah. Um, I I think that's the thing that I love the most about Sleepaway Camp above anything else. It's just so unashamedly sleazy. Yeah, it's like real trash. Yeah, and it's so grim, and I think yeah, and again, like everybody I show it to seems to enjoy it on that level because yeah, it's just. I so think the uh, explicitly offensive elements of the uh, the finale are kind of tempered by the fact that the movie in general is so grotty. Yeah, the yeah the whole movie is so un PC, I guess yeah. that it doesn't the yeah the the more offensive elements are not out of place at all but yeah i love showing people that movie uh mystics in bali is one that I yes like that people. is a crazy film because a it's really quite short as well mm. it's not a long film um but that movie is crazy and obviously the special effects are terrible the dubbing is terrible yeah um and but i feel like you get about five minutes into mystics in bali and everybody in the room just kind of gets what yeah, you're watching yeah. they know it's got they know it's got awful um yeah, those Sleepaway Camp and Mystics in Bali are probably my two choices. Yeah, and you have to be careful with who you show Sleepaway Camp to, though. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm careful, but <laughs> I've not had anyone go too far off the deep end about it. Yeah, yet, I so. think it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, we're talking around it because if you don't know the ending to Sleepaway Camp, that's kind of the, the bit that is the, uh, the real showstopper. It's the reason anybody remembers that movie, yeah, you yeah. know. And is you know the reason it got sequels and everything. Mm. Also, shout out to Sleepaway Camp Two. I love Sleepaway <laughs> Camp Two. I think it's one of the best well, slasher movies. Someone has to. Um. <laughs> hey, it's really good. How, you, whoa, how dare you? How dare it's really you? Good. Indeed. Well, that is question three. Um, what is a film trope that you are a sucker for? Oh, okay. I might have to think about this. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to like think of like tropes essentially, but like, um, I really love like your phone calls in horror movies. Yes. Love that. Um, I love the the killer always being the background stuff. I love that kind of stuff. Um, Final Girl was another trope I really like. Mm. Um, and obviously, there's a whole discussion around that kind of thing. But I, you know, I kind of like that as a trope in horror movies. I like there's always just like the one. The one per well, final the final guy trope as well is good if it's done properly, but you very rarely see that. Um, uh, oh, another one I like the I'm, I'm mostly just looking at horror movie tropes here, but I think it's because probably horror is like the tropiest fucking genre. Mm. Um, I like the the harbinger of doom characters, like the crazy old man yeah. who's like tells everyone they're gonna die. I love characters like that. Um, I love the the trope of horny teenagers going to lakes. Where they know people have been killed. Yeah, they're always like... <laughs> still, go, still going there anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my god, calm down, Tarmella, we're not going to get killed, or whatever, yeah. yeah. Or they, or they yeah, go to I a lake that's called, yeah. like, Murder Lake or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
which don't seem to. It's uh, out. It's yeah, out in the. Just don't care. I'm going out to my dad's cabin in the Stranglewoods. <laughs> <laughs> um. I always kind of like the trope of the unkillable killer. Yeah. Um, because, you know, money talks. I like the idea that no matter what they do to the killer at the end of the movie, the killer's always going to come yeah. back. I kind of, I like that. Yeah. Because um, his heart is made of pure evil and can possess other people. Um, I also, even though, like, no movies do it anymore and there's only a handful of movies that do, the whole calls are coming from inside the house trope I always just think is good. Yes. It's just a really, it's always effective as well, I think. Um and as much as everyone always attributes that to when a stranger calls, it's uh, spoilers. It's Black Christmas for me. Yeah, that's yeah. the best example of that trope done right, I think. Um, yeah, it's all horror movie tropes for me, so it's going to be quite a bit of a boring answer. Really. No, that's that's fine. So uh, yes, the next question: What film would you show a new partner to ease them into your taste? Okay. Um, I'll probably look at my last relationship then. Right, well, let's, um, let's, set, let's set the scene. You've 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 met a, a lovely new twink. Um, you've introduced him. Into, <laughs> oh my god, that's your go-to. You've introduced him into your life, and he's got pretty basic uh, milk toast movie tastes. His favorite movie is um, The Devil Wears Prada. Um, okay, stop right now. You think I would fucking date somebody whose favorite movie is The Devil Wears Prada? He's so he's so hot though, Mug. How hot are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking no, no. ten out of ten. So this, so this could be a lovely, a lovely, yeah, lovely twink or a nice, nice young lady. Yes. Yes. Uh, they like they. This person loves the devil wears <laughs> Not necessarily. I'm just setting the scene. Well, I'm giving I'm, a I'm hypothetical. You... Uh, you've met no, this no, guy no. Henry. You've met. Um, <laughs> no, this is canon. This is canon now. Devil wears Prada is their favorite. Well, if it's movie, canon, so then he's a twink that. named Henry, and you met him on a <laughs> snowboarding expedition. <laughs> Okay, so Henry's over at my house, yes. and I've lit a couple of candles. I never do that, but you know Henry's special, I guess. Um, he is. He's poured a few glasses of wine, and I'm he's gonna... half Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake! Um, so, like, bear in mind his English isn't perfect. Okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of, um, we're adding too many qualifiers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm about to say, this is getting very bogged down in the details, and then clearly all I want to do is fuck. But anyway. He's, he's um, But Henry's looked to you and he's gone, <laughs> we make love after we've watched a film that is indicative um, of your movie taste. I'm going to play it safe. Well, you're easing him in. You're easing him in. That's later. Um, <laughs> God, you you put so much pressure now. You built Henry up to such a level that I don't think anything I show him is going to impress He's genuinely him. flustered. Um, Henry's worked his way into Mark's heart. I'm thinking something like Scream, maybe. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I think because Scream shows a horror, which is kind of my main thing, and also like there's a good sense of humour to Scream, so that's mm. probably something like that that I'd probably go for. Uh, Adam's Family Values is probably another okay, one. Okay, yeah. I think... I think that's completely indicative of my taste in movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, really, really fun macabre humour. Mm. Serial um, Mum. Serial, okay. I mean, that one's slightly more extreme than the other two. It is, because, you know, I absolutely adore John Waters, mm. and I think Serial Mum is, it holds up really well today, and I think it's still very funny <laughs> today. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Scream, fuck it. Scream it is. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, we'll let you know how it goes with uh, Henry on the next episode, listeners. 
<laughs> my hypothetical new boyfriend. Okay. Yeah, this half Portuguese twink who loves loves extreme snow sports, but has only seen The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> it's not just that that's his favorite film. That's the only film we've seen. It's his favorite film by default. Um, it's the only film they play at the snow lodge, <laughs> ski lodge, whatever snow lodge. Yeah, yeah, they've only got one DVD. It's, it's like it's like <laughs> like a like a youth club. Yeah, yeah. They've got one DVD. And it's The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> What kind of fucking ski resorts do you think I'd go to? I don't know. I don't know. One apparently run by stereotypical homosexuals from the mid-2000s. Um, they're called Greg and Andy. They're a lovely couple. Joe, you know the worst thing is, I saw that movie in the cinema. Why? Because a bunch of my friends wanted to go and I had nothing else to do. And you know what, mate? It was fucking awful. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through, to be honest. I wouldn't recommend it, personally. Mm. Um, Meryl Streep's a bitch, and that's the movie. I feel like that's pretty much every Meryl Streep movie, isn't it? Like, Yeah, true. Um, there is one of hers, actually, that has been on my list for ages that I've never seen. Obviously, she's not just the main focus of it, but... Um, was it uh, August Osage County? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've not seen it, but... Hmm. I've wanted to see it because it's uh, based on the play by uh, Tracy Letts, who wrote uh, Killer Joe and Bug. Yes, yes. And I love both of those movies as well. So it's been on my list to watch for a while because it was one of those movies that I remember it coming out, but I had no idea who was like behind mm. it. So now I'm like, I really want to see this. Yeah, that came out when we were at uni, didn't it? Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the play won loads of awards as well. I think. Um, I remember reading reviews saying it's uh, it's such a joyless film because it's so over overwhelmingly grim. I was like, well, that sounds great. <laughs> That's what he likes. <laughs> but yeah. will Henry enjoy it? We don't know. <laughs> um, moving on. Well, we know we like we know More he likes Meryl Streep, so you know. That's true, actually. Ah, oh, there you go. That's my choice. Then <laughs> I've not seen I've, I've not seen August Sausage County, but there you go. That's my choice to show Henry because <laughs> we know he likes Streep. Uh, anyway, um, so the next question: What nostalgic film did you rewatch only to discover it was shite? Um. Hmm. I'm trying to think actually, because you know, not to not to big myself up, but I went through a phase when I was about eighteen, nineteen, of like finding movies I loved as a kid on DVD and rewatching them. And I have to admit, me as a kid, I had pretty fucking good taste. Um, most of the films I watched kind of held up. Um, I'm trying to think actually what I thought was gash. Um, that's a really tough one actually, because I'm trying to think of all my favorite movies I'm nostalgic for, and they're all films that it I still. Doesn't necessarily quite have like. to be like um, one of your favorite movies; just a movie that you remember being good. And you go, ah, oh, yeah, I'll stick that on. And then when you watched it, you were like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I can't, I'm, tr- I'm really struggling to think of one, actually. Um, it's probably... Oh, God, no, I'm trying... I'm, I'm, that's really stumped me, actually. I think you threw me for a loop of all the stuff about Henry. It's clouding my brain up. He has no nostalgic films. He's only seen The Devil's Prize. <laughs> <laughs> He's more of a uh, he's more of a prestige television guy than a, than a cinema guy. He likes. Uh, say, yeah, he loves True Detective. Yeah, he loves True. He loves True Detective. <laughs> He'd love it more if Meryl Streep was in it. But. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all these shows would be like he loves Breaking Bad, but he was like, "Where is Meryl Streep? I want to see Meryl Streep." <laughs> Who is this guy? Why does he think that all entertainment features Meryl Streep? <laughs> So there's a man who was like he was like living in a box or something, and then <laughs> he's only just oh. been released. 
Jesus Christ. He's like uh, he's like Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> oh God. Anyway, enough of this. Nostal or it could be okay. We can broaden it out, like nostalgic TV shows, maybe or something like that. I think I do have one actually. I remember as a kid really liking the third Home Alone movie. Okay. The one that doesn't have yeah, Kevin McAllister. Yeah, it's in not it. Macaulay McCulkin. It's somebody else. Yeah, it's, yes, it's not that character. It's somebody else. Um, and I remember as a kid really liking that movie and seeing it again a couple of years ago. And it's uh, it's not strong. Yeah, <laughs> I, can I can't really remember it that well. But then, yeah, it's. Uh, I remember it being like weird to watch. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange, and like there's a whole. Like the the traps are a kind of inventive, I guess, but it's not the same as like the, yeah. the original movies. Is that the one um, that like weirdly really... begins with some like gangsters or something at the start or something? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's one that like it weirdly begins with, like like a very played straight like crime story underneath the in the background. Yes, and I have another one for you. This has just occurred to me because I was thinking like Home Alone 3 and I was remembering like I used to always watch that on like a Saturday morning on like Sky Movies and stuff. Mm. And then I just thought of another film that I loved as a kid. It's so shit. Three Ninjas High Noon on Mega Mountain. That's a good movie. What are you talking about? (laughs) I believe that's still in the bottom 100 on IMDb. It should be in the top one. Like it's a movie about three kids who are ninjas and they go to a theme park where this like like busty blonde lady is trying to take over and then like they befriend Hulk Hogan and yeah. fight on a roller coaster and shit. Actually, do you know what? I take it back. That might be the best movie I've made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not making it sound bad. <laughs> Sounds good, mate. Um, okay. Um, uh, yeah, there we go. Those are my two picks for that. I'm gonna go Home Alone three and Three Ninjas Hiding in Mega Man. There's a theme of threes there. Okay. Here's one. What film do you genuinely love that everyone else you know hates? Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I mean, <laughs> as we said this previously. Enough said, really. I've not even seen that. Honestly, it's so bad. Um, it's like universally hated by like mm. people who like movies, people who like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> people who um... like movies. <laughs> people who enjoy <laughs> films. It's just considered poor. Generally. Genuinely hate it. But like, I don't know, this is it's it's so bad, um, and it's just so cheesy, and the special effects are fucking dire. The story is ridiculous. Um, and it came out recently as well that the film wasn't even finished. Oh, wow. Uh, apparently, they they did a test screening without all the CGI and, and like the final cut being done. And apparently, the, the test audience was so positive in their reception that the studio went, no, just release it. What? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, it's so shit and so ridiculous. But I just, I just have such a good time watching it, and I, I don't fully know why. I don't understand it. Um, it's just like some of the acting is diabolical. Um, the woman that plays Sindel in it, you, you may have seen the clip because it's become almost like a meme where she has the line, "Mother, you're still alive. Too bad you." Will die, yeah, and it's that. like that's the tone of the entire. Oh, I didn't movie. realize that was from Mortal. I thought that was from one of the it's Dead more... or Alive movies. No, it's more the Dead or Alive movie is also a bag of shit <laughs> that I low key kind of like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I've because seen, I've some... seen that clip. Yeah, yeah, no, the Dead or Alive movie is pretty bad as well. Maybe I just have a thing for shit video game movies. Yeah, because you like you love the Street Fighter movie as well. Street, I love Street Fighter because Roll Julia is amazing in it. Yeah, Street, to be um, fair, Street Fighter is better than the Mortal Kombat movies. 
I'll tell you what film I actually really like. This is not entirely related to the question, but because we're on the subject. I really like the first Silent Hill movie. Yeah, I remember I like it being, it like, okay. I don't like it as much as you it's, do, but yeah, I know you're a big fan. I, I think, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of the games, but it's quite different to the games. But I think it does a good enough job at, like, translating it to film, and I think it's got some really good, like, set pieces and stuff. Mm. That massacre at the end with the barbed wire in the church is spectacular. Okay, so on a similar note, this... what mm -hmm. film do you genuinely hate that everyone else loves? Uh, my first thought would be Interstellar. I don't know if everyone loves that. I do, I think it's quite good, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the general consensus is that most people seem to like that movie. I thought it was... It, was kind of, it had kind of mixed reception at the time, I seem to remember. Yeah, I really didn't care for that. Mm. Um, it's kind of boring for the most part, really. I could go down that whole rabbit hole, but I'll be here forever. Yeah. Um, and there's only, only so many of your wrong opinions we can feature on one episode. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, movies that everybody loved that I didn't. Um... I don't know if everyone loves it. I was never that keen on Batman Begins. Uh, that's a pretty universally liked film, I think, Batman Begins. Yeah, I was never too keen on that one. Uh, um, I don't think it's as good as The Dark Knight, but... Yeah, yeah, no. It's pretty good, I think. And it's not quite as like insane as Dark Knight Rises. So. Dark Knight Rises is a fucking fever dream of a movie in places. Mm. Like, what is all that? Anyway, what's your beef with Nolan? Why have you only picked Nolan films? I have beef with Nolan generally. I just think he's... A lot of the time, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Did you say all fart, no poo? All fart, no poo. No, he's all poo and no fart, mate. That's all poo. Like, like I saw Tenet. Mate. Unfortunately. Oh, Tenet's good. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. There you go. I'm throwing in Tenet as well. I, oh, mate. It was... Only Christopher Nolan understands what the fuck that means. Yeah, that's about. why it's good. That is Chad cinema. Imagine making, <laughs> imagine making a film where all of the dialogue is just people explaining the plot. And still, it is impossible to understand yeah imagine making a film where all of the dialogue is people explaining the plot but not hiring a sound guy good enough to actually fucking record no, that no, that's, that's a chad that move well. that's a chad move i still can't get over that scene where the protagonist and also it's fucking so stupid that his name is the protagonist no, that is sorry. the most chad, chad move. so so stupid chad move. uh where he says to like he's talking <laughs> to kenneth Ke kevin branner's Ke kenneth branner anyway yeah, big I'm getting, getting mad the, re the red mist is coming down mm. um well, he's talking to Kenneth Branagh, and Kenneth Branagh's like, no, 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 we'll talk somewhere private tomorrow. And then they're just on those giant fucking speedboats, shouting at each other down microphones. Like, why? <laughs> because Why are they doing that? Because that's true cinema, my friend. Because apparently Christopher Nolan wanted an extra five million on the fucking budget. <laughs> like, I just, honestly, I don't get it. I was like... <laughs> no, look, no, look, I, I, look, I... A lot of people have this opinion. Am I wrong? A lot of people have this opinion on Tenet, <laughs> but I, I just find them to be incorrect. Because oh, man, that... Tenet, for me... Look, the thing about Tenet is, it's, it's incredible <laughs> from start to finish. Because it's just like... Is it? It's just... Because the, the, right, the thing with Tenet is, yeah, I can't necessarily disagree with everything you're saying. I, I do think it's a movie where... It is kind of... It is a Marmite movie. It's quite divisive. It's even among Nolan uh, fans. Um, the sound mix thing I, I don't really have a problem with because like I've seen it in the cinema and could hear it quite well like because I saw it at um, the showcase in Leicester and they t did it in the kind of XLR screening that they had no not XLR that's um... yeah, no, they, they have like one screen in the showcase which is terrible. like the, their biggest screen and also their best like proper spot on sound so like hearing it wasn't really an issue 
Um, mm-hmm. there, there's like, yes, there is stuff where like stuff is deliberately obscured. Um, and like the movie is supposed to be overwhelming. That's like the point that he's going for. Um, really? Because it's fucking boring for a lot of its runtime. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, the second half of the movie is just like shit exploding and things going backwards and like insane nonsense happening. Um, yeah, but maybe I would have cared if the first half of the movie stuff actually happened that matters. Like, why is Michael Caine in that movie other than contractually? Christopher Nolan is, he's made some good movies, don't get me wrong. I think The Dark Knight is great. The Prestige is probably my favourite thing that he's done. I really, really like that movie. Um, Dunkirk I really liked as well, probably because it's the least Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan movie. Um, mm, strong, strong disagree on that. It's the most Christopher Nolan. Is it? Because it's it's an hour and a half yes. for a start. Uh, yeah, that, that's a little different. <laughs> but that, but like, given what you're saying about Tenet, um, Dunkirk pretty much dis, 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 discards dialogue entirely, and it's just engine sounds and explosions. But, so in that regard... At least I have at least I have an idea of what the narrative of Dunkirk is. Like they <laughs> they give me enough of that to go off. But look, the narrative of Tenet is perfectly simple. Explain what if, it to me. What right if man now. go backward? What if man go backward? <laughs> that's just, that is the movie. I've still never seen Inception. That's still one of the movies I've just never seen. Um, Shout cinema. We need to watch Inception for but the part. Basically, my thing with Tenet especially is it has all of the the qualities about Christopher Nolan that I dislike the most, it's the film of his that has the most egregious examples of that, I think. Which is what makes it good. Uh, uh, just, <laughs> like, I just, oh my god, it was just kind of bollocks, really. <laughs> like, no, but that's what makes it good, because it's just insane nonsense. And it doesn't matter what the plot is. It's just engine sounds and explosions, baby. It is pretty funny at the end, though, where Kenneth Branagh's giving his villain monologue through a fucking speaker for no apparent reason. And it's like, are you are you testing me at this point? I love how at the end it was like, I mean, I'd like to say spoilers, but you can't spoil Tenet because it doesn't make a lick of sense. Look, um, the plot is no, it makes perfect sense. The plot is what if man go backwards? And like Robert Pattinson's character reveals to the protagonist. Obviously, that makes me want to vomit in my mouth referring to him as that because um, <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Anyway, it's his name, bro. He's his name is the first name the last name protagonist. <laughs> Do you know what? If they actually if that was a thing in the movie, I'd be fine with it. Uh, like, yeah, it's like there's a quick scene of his ID or something that says that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Doctor, the protagonist, or something like that. Um, <laughs> but no, it's the fact that like Robert Pattinson's character sort of reveals to him that he's they've known each other a lot longer or something. Um, yeah, that, I and mean, like, that's. Per- I, mean, I mean, you can't pretend that's not a, a typical time travel trope. True, but it's the fact that it cuts to the protagonist looking just as fucking confused as the rest of the audience. <laughs> yes, and this is my point. Is like I don't think you're supposed to be able to follow it. Considering this was supposed to be like the movie that fucking saved cinema after this pandemic, and it did. Did it? It saved <laughs> cinema. I don't know, man, because I saw the New Mutants not long afterwards. So. <laughs> Yeah, I also saw the new movies long after, not long afterwards. And you want to talk to me about Tenet being nonsense? At least I could, at least I could follow the plot of the new mutants. <laughs> like there are two bears inside what you. Plot? <laughs> there what are two plot? bears inside you. One of them might be gay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that was a Nolan movie, it'd be like there are two ber- there are two bears inside you. One of them is your father from the future. One of them is you from the future, and they're both the same person. <laughs> that would be the, yeah, the Nolan version. Anyway, let's. Should we move on before I just spew bile everywhere about? Well, that's it. We're covering Tenet on the pod. Well, God, you're gonna make me watch it again, aren't you? I've seen it twice, and it's better the second time, baby. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So good. Engine sounds. Engine sounds. Engine sounds.
The action scenes were good, I'll give you that. The action scenes were fucking next level. This is the thing. People can say whatever they fucking want about, oh, I couldn't hear the dialogue because of boats, which is just, you're weak. If you can't, if you can't listen. <laughs> Why were they on weak. boats? Why were they on boats? What does that serve to the, like, what purpose because does that Because boat serve? go vroom. Only because Christopher <laughs> Nolan was like, why not? Let's just fucking throw money at the screen. Because boat go vroom. This is the thing. I think people have Nolan all wrong. This is my theory on Nolan. I think he is a good filmmaker, but I think people have more wrong. They all, they all kind of see him as this, like, kind of cold, like, intellectual, cerebral filmmaker. But my attitude towards Nolan is, he likes it when boat go vroom. I mean, you've seen Dunkirk, right? That is nothing but boats and planes and explosions, right? But I that think at literally... least that's, that was the point, though. That's, that's why I kind of like Dunkirk, because mm. that's all that movie is trying to be. And yeah, and I that. think that's pre- that's pretty much all Tenet is trying to be. Is but it? I think the problem, yes, <laughs> but I think the problem is he's come up with this backwards concept, and he needs to explain it to the dum dums in the audience. But my thing with Nolan is like, don't worry about the dum dums because they're just going to go boat go vroom. It's fine. Like <laughs> no, because you need like I need something between the boat going vroom and the people going backwards to actually like latch onto. Otherwise, I don't care about the fucking boats going backwards or vrooming or whatever the fuck you're on about. Like. Nah, I like it when boat go backwards. <laughs> no, the boat doesn't even go backwards. The car go backwards. Man go the, backwards. The car does go backwards. That's very true, actually. That does happen in the movie. And plane go boom. Plane does get that. That scene is really impressive. Like that scene's fucking killer. Yeah, and I mean, also, the the setup for that scene is fucking great because it's. <laughs> I think that that scene is what well, you know the bit where. Uh, the protagonist, best name in cinema, is talking to uh, Robert Pattinson, and he's like, uh, uh, "Well, how are we going to get the plane?" And like Robert Pattinson goes, "Oh, well, that bit is a little bit dramatic." And they're talking about like just taking a seven four seven and just slamming it into the building. Like, I think that is a direct transcript of Nolan speaking to the, the studio about that scene, where he's just being like, "Look, what we need is plane, plane, go into building." I feel like Christopher Nolan is trying to be the thinking man's Michael Bay, and failing horribly. I don't think he's trying to be. I think he is, and he's succeeding. <laughs> Thinking man's Michael Bay. What a fucking title to aspire to. <laughs> I mean, look, Nolan, I, I watch all of his films because he's going to drive a plane into a fucking building like a lunatic, so you've at least got to turn up. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I will give him credit where credit's due. Like, he understands how to do action and spectacle and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. Mm. Just yes. give me a fucking story I can follow, please. That's that's your weak mark. That's the thing. You don't am need I, you can follow. Am I? Or am I just? A, or, or am I just expecting the bare fucking minimum? You can. I think Tanner's easy enough to follow. Please regale me with the story of Tanner. What's Look, it about? It's perfectly simple. It's perfectly If you say simple, mango backward one more time, mango backward. <laughs> no, it's perfectly simple. In the future, bad thing happen. Ergo, mango backward. That's all you need, baby. Right, let's move on. I'm I'm getting furious. <laughs> the the funniest part of Tenet as well is that the characters have no fucking idea what's going on throughout. The nobody does. Movie. Literally, nobody does. I just love the early doors. He has one of the characters be like, "Don't try to understand it. Just feel it." And it's like, okay, well, that's the mantra for the movie. Then don't don't bother trying to understand this. And I think that is borne out by the fact that there are points where exposition starts to happen, and then pounding techno overpowers yeah, it. Literally, maybe because it's like. Just go with it, man. Maybe Tenet is some kind of weird, like, meta-commentary on cinema. I don't... Maybe. But... No, I think it's just a Chad movie. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) No, I think we need to talk about Tenet more. (laughs) We can do an episode on Tenet, and I'll... I'll I'll have Pounding techno. I'll have Pounding techno. (laughs) Um, Techno, 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 techno. 
what question was that? I can't even remember. Uh, it was supposed to do with movies everyone loves. Apparently, oh, everyone loves that you, you. Everyone loves that you hate. Um, and you only picked Christopher Nolan movies <laughs> because you're weak. <laughs> no, I'm kind. Of, I kind of get you more on Interstellar. Like, I like Interstellar, but I do think that's um, probably a lesser a lesser entry into Nolan. Yeah, but I think with Interstellar, I was like, yes, I have also seen Two Thousand and One. Um, yeah, to be fair, I think that I don't know how fair a criticism that is. Like, there's definitely a massive influence of it, but like, there is on all serious sci-fi of that. Yeah, kind. Yeah, I mean, so that's not obviously like, well, like the re- my reason for disliking. It. I think the main mm. thing is I just don't think the story is as interesting as it seems to think it is, and they they kind of waste a lot of actors. Like that film completely wastes Jessica Chastain. I think like she doesn't mm. really do. She just kind of sits at know, a monitor crying. Yeah. That's kind of all she does. I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, I I don't think it's. Um, a flawless film, certainly. The, like sudden, the sudden uh, Matt Damon cameo towards the end is weirdly jarring. Yeah. And the as, fight... doc- as Dr. Man, first a- name Hugh. And the, the fight scene between him and McConaughey is but, hilarious. But that, that wasn't was a joke, by the way, listeners. Look up, yeah. the, look up the character name for that character. Yeah. He's only referred to as Dr. Man throughout the movie, but his first name is Hugh, canonically. His name is Dr. Hugh Man. Wow. I, I... Hugh Man, the protect. Do you see what I am saying? <laughs> Yeah, and this is what I'm saying. Good cinema. <laughs> and was it fucking Anne Hathaway's character being like, like completely disrupting a huge, multi, possibly billion dollar mission for a man? <laughs> that's yes. her entire okay. character. Yeah, that's not that's not the best. <laughs> that is honestly, she gets she gets shafted hard in Nolan movies. Like, I when she got first like cast as Selena Kyle, I was like, that's really good casting, and she doesn't. Yeah, she was good fuck. in that. Was yeah, but she that. doesn't really fucking do anything like, other than. Hey kill tom hardy at the end yeah other than kill the main villain she yeah but do it anything. feels it doesn't feel earned at all she just kind of rocks up on her bike and just shoots a missile at him. it's just no, that really is, that's, weird that's how every film should end <laughs> tom hardy getting hit by a missile that just the villain gets hit by a missile <laughs> just weirdly before we go to the next question you've seen birds of prey right yes the, the the death of the villain in that movie is one of the most hilariously violent things i've ever seen in my life Mm, mm. Fucking, I was, I was howling at that. That movie is aggressively okay. I really quite enjoyed it, but I think it's because I had very little expectations of what it was going to be like. So I think I it's, it. yeah, it was like I enjoyed it, but it was kind of it's a three star movie. That's not going. I would say I had more fun with it than I have a lot of other recent superhero movies or like comic. Book I think movies like ton- tonally, uh, like it was trying to do what I think the Suicide Squad pulled off better. I've still not seen that, so. Um... That, think, that's a film to watch. I think I just liked Birds of Prey because the entire plot is just Harley Quinn's really fucking hungover and just doesn't want to deal with anybody's shit, and I can relate to that on a very spiritual level. I, honest, I think one of the issues I have is that I don't care for Margot Robbie's portrayal of uh, Harley Quinn. I liked her more in Birds of Prey. I thought I, I thought yeah. her character was a lot better realised in, in that. Yeah, she's fine. I just think... I mean, I have an issue with what they've done with Harley Quinn in general in the comics and in multimedia, where it's like... She's gone from being an actual character to being Deadpool with tits. Yeah, no, I completely um, agree. It's kind of like, okay, I don't really like Deadpool, so I don't like the stuff. Yeah, I, I don't really like Deadpool. I thought Deadpool 2 was atrocious. I weirdly liked the first movie, which was surprising. Uh, I, th- I thought they were both fine. That's my... I really didn't gel with the second one. I thought the second one was terrible. Um, eh, it was fine. I mean, it's kind of like... It's the kind of humour that I don't really like, where it's just like, lol we're in a movie and that's the joke yeah because like you can 
you can do meta humor well and again i think mm. like like i mentioned i think that's why i think scream is a good example of that i think scream treads the yeah. line very well whereas deadpool like they're constantly poking it they're going look this is a movie this is a movie whereas the characters yeah. in scream are like oh this is kind of like movies isn't it and they mm. kind of they, they subvert tropes and stuff but yeah yeah whereas deadpool is just it's too it's so on the nose it's it's meta humor for people who don't really know a lot about that. yeah and it's like edgy yeah. people who don't and can't take much edge you know yeah <laughs> so it's got all the edge of a butter knife yeah once again this is something i thought the suicide squad improved on definitely it's like it's actually kind of nasty in some places well that's just james gunn isn't it like you know yeah. he made his... and it is like it's very james gunn in that movie yeah he made his name doing filth cinema so mm. <laughs> this i like that this q a has mostly been us yelling about tenet <laughs> yeah, this this is definitely much more anarchic than the last episode. I think what I'll do when we have the tenant section is just put some pounding techno underneath it and just drown <laughs> you out. I'll just drown you out with pounding techno so that all the audience can hear of me saying that tenant's good. <laughs> I, I would actually be fine with you doing that. I think that'd be funny. <laughs> uh, um, we've got about ten minutes look, left. I love a movie that's all exposition being drowned out by pounding techno. Um, okay, so we've only got a, a little bit of time left, but we've covered most of these questions. Uh, so all that's really left is, uh, well, it's a two-part question, mm-hmm. so I'll ask it as one. Go for it. Um, what is an adaptation uh, into film from any medium, be it book, game, uh, or TV show, or whatever? Uh, what adaptation do you think improved on the source material, and what adaptation do you think absolutely bastardized the source material? Um... It was a few, actually. I mean, the main ones that always spring to mind whenever you talk about like, adaptations is obviously like Stephen King adaptations. Yes. Because uh, I think one that improved, I think Misery is slightly better than the book. Yeah. Just because it's, uh, it's a bit more concise. And I, I don't know, I think it's because I think the movie, like, Kathy Bates' performance, she really, she's kind of like the definitive version of that character, I think. So yes. that I completely think is a, is better than the book um if you're talking about stephen king i think you've got to mention the shining as well yeah because the shining is it's a f- wonderful film it's a terrible adaptation like truly terrible adaptation because it's barely got anything to do with the book yeah but i having read the book i think that's for the best <laughs> it, well, <laughs> it it's, yeah because uh... obviously the shining is a very st- strange story like you know the talking hedge monsters and stuff like that and to be honest, I, because I saw the film first, when I read the book, I was just like, this is a dumb book. Yeah. <laughs> it's just dumb. I think that's uh, why Doctor Sleep didn't do so well, obviously because it's a sequel to The Shining, but it's a, based on the book, which is obviously a sequel to the book of The Shining, so Doctor Sleep does have yeah. a lot of more of those weird elements to it. Um, mm. Also, just anybody who's listening, if you've not watched Doctor Sleep, watch it. It's so good. Um, um, watch it with the soundtrack to Tenet. Just <laughs> Any scene that looks like it's going to explain the plot, just crank up the Tenet soundtrack and then crank it back down. <laughs> uh, terrible adaptations. Uh, do you remember the Cirque de Freak movie? I never saw it, but yeah. Oh, it's bad. I mean, as a, when I was a kid, I used to really like the Darren Sham books. Um, yeah, same, same. Yeah, they. I, I like those because like they were you know they were kind of edgy for kids books, mm. and they it was after Twilight really that like any kind of like vampire fiction for kids or teenagers just got like yeah, snapped they started up. lapping it up yeah yeah and so they made a movie um the Cirque de Freak movie which mm. was basically the first three books kind of smashed into one 
And aside from John C. Riley, who's quite good in it, and like Salma Hayek's kind of okay in it, the movie is god awful. Like it just doesn't have the tone of the book. The, the books were quite dark for kids' books, and they just the movie was just so like sanitized and really like bright and yeah, didn't didn't yeah. do it for me. It's kind of hard to adapt. Um like teen fiction in that way because the certificates are so different when it comes to movies like exactly. obviously in, in a book you can you can push the envelope a bit more uh, and i feel like they kind of had this with the uh, the hunger games adaptations as well where like they had to cut around a lot of the violence which kind of defines the books yeah like the I'm, books are like horrendous yeah <laughs> like, i've not read the books or seen the movies of the hunger games so yeah. I, don't I mean really I, I was uh outside of the reading age group when i read the books but um but I kind of got through them in an afternoon because they are—they're not like the best written things in the world, but they're quite compelling. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. yeah, I know they have quite a good reputation. Hmm. Um, like, I, I don't think uh, Suzanne Collins isn't like a great prose writer, but she knows how to move a story along, and she's um, not said any monstrously transphobic things. So, you know, <laughs> she gets points as a uh, young adult author in that regard. Well, I mean, on you know, on that level, I think some of the Harry Potter movies are pretty bad adaptations of the books. Goblet of Fire, mm. especially, is a bad adaptation. I think. Here's a question: Actually, if we're talking about bad adaptations and good adaptations, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because is a good adaptation? So like you, you said The Shining was a good film, but a bad adaptation. Are you saying that because it's not? super faithful to the source material yeah um mm. like a, another example i'd give to that would be willy wonka and the chocolate factory oh okay yeah. which is a great film but it's a very loose adaptation of the book there's a lot See, of differences i, I, uh, I kind of go back and forth on this but like is a good adaptation something that builds on the source material and adapts it for a different medium so like the book of the shining wouldn't work as a film no because they have tried and it's yeah, not so worked. It um, I, yeah. For me, I think a good adaptation is something that keeps the general theme and yeah. message, and you know, like it has, it has to inhabit what the yeah. original. Which I would argue, about. like The Shining, does. does yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, I feel like you know, a good adaptation should also try and at least keep most of the bones of the story of what it's adapting as well. Um, yeah. This is why, like, for example, a really weird one is you know that film Wanted. Yes. With James McAvoy and Angelina. Which is yeah, obviously based I, on the graphic novel. Yeah. It's there's like nothing from the graphic novel. <laughs> yeah, it's like completely its own thing. Yeah, yeah. so that to me is a terrible adaptation because it has nothing yeah. to do with the source material. And again, like yeah. The Shining is kind of like that because aside from family go to uh, Winter Lodge, dad go crazy, very little else from The Shining is in that movie. Yeah, I guess. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, I think, is a, is an example of a good adaptation. Yeah. Because it cuts the bullshit. <laughs> mm, they did cut Tom Bombadil, so... Yes, they did. Which, bad, let's face it, move. but for the sake of making it a movie, that's the best decision. Mm, disagree. I want to see the bit <laughs> where the hobbits get high and, and get the dicks out. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Pippin and Merry are high throughout the entire fucking movie. So. <laughs> like, they're constantly I, getting blazed. Yeah, yeah I, I would actually argue that The Lord of the Rings is a good adaptation, because they change a lot about the book. Uh, that's quite Well, they subtly change a lot of details about the books. That make for a more compelling story in general like i would actually as blasphemous as this is going to sound some of the listeners i would argue that it's a better version of the story than the books are well i think that purely because like tolkien being like a linguist and stuff the books are actually not the easiest to read in my opinion no and they're full of uh, songs and shit as well yeah, especially like, as they go along yeah. yeah like there's a really great story but there's a lot of a lot of 
guff that you have to sort of waffle. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of waffle. Yeah, and, and if you're Bings, there, if you're there for the story rather than the world building and all that cobblers, then yeah, the books are kind of a drag. Yeah, Stephen. I mean, King I, love, I, mean I love the books, but yeah, yeah, I love the books, but. Uh, um, a, t- a sort of two-parter here. The the new It movies are simultaneously great adaptations and really bad ones as well. Okay. Because part one I thought was great. Uh, yeah, that was okay. I thought it was just like it was for what it was, it, and it really kind of enca- like encapsulated the spirit of like what that part of the book is about, like the kids and stuff. Mm. And then part two was just crap. Like, yeah, really? I've not seen part. I've not oh, seen it's... part two. It's bad. It's, it's honestly so bad. Like it, I mean, it commits the cardinal sin for me with the, of any bad movie is it's boring. And it's a shame as well that it's so boring because the cast of actors they got to be in it was really quite strong. Um, mm. Especially with how good I thought the first movie was, the second one is just an absolute drag. Um, yeah, yeah. It does justice to like one bit of the book, like the part where Pennywise attacks uh, a, a gay guy who just got like assaulted by like some homophobes. Like that scene is done really well. But then the rest of the movie sucks. Mm. That's yeah. Um, just off the top of my head, for adaptations, really, because like I think a lot of the time you tend to think book to movie. Um, yeah. You can go comic book, or you can go TV book, to movie, or you can go game to movie. I mean, most video game movies are shit. That's a general rule. There's a there's a couple of good ones. I wrote an article for VGU years ago, like highlighting five decent ones. Mm. Uh, I've always said the first Silent Hill movie is pretty good. Um, the Street Fighter 2 animated movie is actually pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. But it's weird to go into that as an adaptation because like, that's a fighting game, so there's not a whole lot of story going on in the game, whereas yeah, like, all yeah. the story's close secondary. Uh, but I thought, yeah, that movie was quite good. Um, the uh, Phoenix Wright movie is interesting <laughs> yes. because it's done, by, it's done by Takashi Miike, so yeah, yeah. instantly. Phoenix Wright, ex yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like TV to movie is always an interesting one because I find that tends to also fall flat on its face a lot. You don't tend to get really good translations of TVs to movies. And I think my brain automatically goes to a lot of old British sitcoms that got adapted into films which were always, nine times out of ten, <laughs> bloody awful. Well, like Holiday on the Buses. <laughs> that stalwart classic of <laughs> British cinema. See, that's there's, the, one I... the, there's one of the On the Buses movie where at the start of the movie, and this is like in the opening credits pretty much, there's the bus goes past a, a, a well a buzzing young woman and apropos of nothing her blouse falls open and her bosoms <laughs> yep. are exposed yeah literally and it's just like yeah. why has that happened because british comedy of that time was incredibly pervy so it really was and i don't know why that is there's probably some film scholarly articles about this somewhere but yeah there seems well, to be a lot of like they seem to sell a lot of british comedies on like grotty sexual content of the time. I mean, you know, the prime example being like the Confessions movies. Yes. Which yes. I have seen all four of, may I point out. <laughs> I've seen a couple of them. I've seen Confessions of a Window Cleaner. Yeah, they're just... Literally, that the whole joke of those movies is he just fucks people. That's <laughs> yeah, his entire, the, this, yeah, he just goes around shagging people. That's the joke. <laughs> yeah. There's, 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 there's little plot things that happen between the shagging, but mm. it's mostly him just ending up in awkward sexual... Yeah, he's normally he normally has to jump out the window with his bare ass exposed when the husband comes home and things like that. And those movies made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Well, I mean, no one's ever lost money underestimating the taste of the British public. That's very true. <laughs> um. <laughs> we are well, not as sophisticated as we'd like to think. Well, after James Bond, do you know what the most successful series of British movies ever is? 
It's not a carry on, is it? It is the carry on movies, yeah. Okay. They are the most successful series of British movies. Purely Contro- I- controversial opinion incoming. They are mostly shit. They are. There's a couple that I do think are good because, like, due to my parents, I've seen a lot of like sort of old British comedy and stuff. Yeah, like so yourself. I've seen a lot. Of yeah. Them. Yeah. Uh, carry on screaming is the best one. Do you know what? I I saw that recently. I've seen it before, but as a kid, and. I wanted to kill myself while I was watching I, that. I, I really, like, this is the worst. I really like Carry On Screaming. I think it's because it's done with a, it's done with a lot of affection. I think for Hammer mm. horror movies. I mean, they even shot it on the locations for the Hammer horror movies. But yeah. I don't know. I, I quite like it. It's uh, it's got some really good gags I, in it. I think, I think. Car- Carry On Cleo is the best one for me. Uh, Carry On at Your Convenience, the one that's about unions, I think is pretty good because there's there's actually like a bit of commentary in that one. Yeah, um, yeah. I quite like that but, one. They're mostly pretty shit. Yeah, well, that's the th- and the thing that I admire about them though is that they were made for no money, mm. with a consistent team of actors and stuff. And it's just the fact that they just churned them out so consistently. Yeah. But again, all of the humor is just oh, my bosoms have fallen out. Oh <laughs> yeah. dear. Yeah, which clearly that's what people wanted back then. There's a bit in the um, Carry On Screaming where there's a guy who lives a uh, what's he called? It's the camp bloke who's not Kenneth Williams. Charles Hawtrey. Charles, Charles Hawtrey. Charles Hawtrey. Yeah. yeah, he uh, he like lives in an underground, like in a, a subterranean flat almost, with a glass ceiling, just so he can look up girls' skirts. Yep. And you're like, and this character isn't particularly integral to the plot, by the way. It's like a one-off <laughs> gag. And it's like that's the joke is that he's just upskirting girls all day. And it's like, okay, sure. <laughs> my my favorite gag in that movie is the stupidest gag in that movie. Mm. Uh, where Fenella Fielding is trying to seduce Harry H. Corbett's character, and she just says, "Do you mind if I smoke?" And yes. she just lay, she just lays back on the sofa, and just smoke starts billowing out from her. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's so stupid. I mean, yeah, they 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 they're not exactly Shakespeare, are they? No, but they, they have a certain appeal, and like even though there is a lot of sort of questionable content, for the most part, they they never come across as malicious, really. I think I will say the the only joke, that I, well, not the only joke, but one of the jokes that I will hold up as a genuinely good bit of writing from a Carry On film is from Carry On Cleo, the famous line, "Infamy, infamy, they've all got it, infamy." <laughs> <laughs> my favorite ever joke in a Carry On movie is where we've gone down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite ever joke in a Carry On movie, I can't remember which one it's in. It's uh, I think it's called Carry On. Loving, I think. Um, it's oh, one where about yes. they, they were in like a dating agency. It's not one of the yeah, good ones. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's certainly not one of the good. It's not one of the three ones that are considered good. Yeah, because like Carry On Camping is obviously kind of typically considered the peak of that series. Um, but no, there's a joke in it because uh, yeah, they run a dating agency and there's a character who's played by one of the sort of Carry On regulars, and uh, he's talking about how he's been widowed twice. And he's asked, oh, how did your first wife die? He's like, oh, she, she ate some poison mushrooms. He's like, oh, that's terrible. Um, what happened to your second wife? He's like, oh, she was uh, struck with a hammer. Like, how did that happen? She wouldn't eat the mushrooms. It's <laughs> 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 just so... For a carry-on movie, yes. that's really fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, I, I think I prefer the more, like, dialogue-based uh, human Gags, yeah. carry-on, yeah. Whereas there's a lot of like, but there is a lot of oh, I've fallen on your bosoms kind of humor, which you know, yeah, not, which not yeah, necessarily aged super well. No, but that's 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 what the British public wanted back then. Yeah. So you unlike know, the on the buses films, which are stalwart classics, as you say. 
the, on the on the bus, I mean, this it, I actually didn't know this until recent years, but like on the buses is often like critically considered one of the worst sitcoms to ever come out of this country. Yeah, because it's fucking diabolical. <laughs> but I didn't realize it was that hated. I mean, have you seen on the buses? <laughs> I have. I mean, bear in mind the standard of British sitcoms of the time That's, as well. Yeah, is true. not particularly high. That's very I mean, true. Yeah. But like, like. That hated, like, have you seen Mrs. Brown's Boys? That is arguably far fucking Oh, yeah, worse. that is worse, but, like, I don't think by much. No, but, you know, given the choice you're watching On the Buses or Mrs. Brown's Boys, I'm gonna choose On the Buses. <laughs> we should do an episode just ranking old British things. <laughs> but we're not allowed to do any of the good... No Blackadder or anything like that. Nothing no, no, good. you have to do the shit ones. It's like gotta George be the and real... Mildred and stuff like that. Bottom of the barrel. Um, I mean, we're gonna have to put Allo Allo on there, but I refuse to accept that that is bad. No, it's not bad, not at all. Um, <laughs> good moaning. I mean, it's good. He says good moaning. Um, what's it? Just, I, I tell you, the one sitcom that I've never properly watched, but I've, whenever I see clips from it, I'm always amazed it got made back in that day. Is Are You Being Served was really, for its time, a, so sorry, fucking just, risky. I, the, the title of Are You Being Served cracks me up now because. Um, there's a bit in the uh, recent Alan Partridge podcast where he's talking about are you being served, but he always pronounces it as, are you being served? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it just cracks me up now. I just, like, I, whenever I see clips from that show, I'm like, how did that get made back then? Because, like, just well, this some is of it. A lot of British sitcoms back then, they're quite, like, Allo Allo's got some quite blue humour in it. And you go, hmm. Because I'm always kind of amazed by the people these days go, oh, you know, comedy's ruined these days. And it's like, no, it isn't. Comedy is in a really good place right now, I think. And Yeah, I think there's, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that you have nowadays is that you have, like, an oversaturation of every genre, really. Yeah. Um, and part of that is streaming, and part of that is just, like, because the, the more things become, you know, on demand, the more things become kind of, like, there's niches getting filled, but they're getting filled by multiple things at once. No, I think you're right. Like, I don't think there's comedy... I, I don't... Um, yeah, I certainly wouldn't say comedy's been ruined in any particular way, especially when you go back to the likes of On the Buses. Yes. Go, well, if that's what's being ruined, then... Uh... Yeah, because you see a lot of people always talk about, like, in the air, it's, it's, it's a phrase that I fucking hate. I hate this whole thing. People talk about, like, woke culture and all this, and they go, no, woke culture's ruining comedy. I'm like, how in a world where Julia Davis is still being commissioned is woke culture yeah. ruining comedy? Because... Yeah. You know, she pushes the envelope every single time she rakes anything. I mean, I feel like um, people who complain about woke culture are not the audience that watches uh, Julia Davis. That's very true. I feel, I feel like they're the kind of people that would be deeply shocked and offended by what she does. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the irony, isn't it? Of the people who bitch and moan about people being offended are usually the people who are the most easily triggered. Oh, yeah, they're, they're the pearl clutchers. Like, they're the ones yeah, exactly. who... And yet they, they want to go back to that age where we had... You know, on the buses with, you know, just books and ladies' bosoms falling out all well, the time. Well, I think because... what it is, what they can't acknowledge about themselves, is they want to go back to an age where they didn't have to think about social yeah. issues. You know? Absolutely. And, like, look, we all, we all get that at some point. Like, I know we all get frustrated with stuff and just want to be like, oh, I just don't want to think about it. But, you know, turning that into some bizarre crusade to bring blackface back is not the, uh, it's not the way forward. Let's face it, before it all kicked off, who the fuck remembered or cared about little britain until it got removed from streaming services yeah and like little britain is a classic example of shit british comedy in my opinion because i'll put it this way when i was 12 little britain was hilarious i think it's, it's unwatchable now like, even it's... when i even when i was that age like af 
post season one, I was like, this is not good. <laughs> it's because yeah, the first season at least has characters that aren't just the catchphrase characters. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some like little there's some because I think like not all of Little Britain is terrible. Like there is some good stuff in there. Um, most of which ended up on the cutting room floor because I used to have the DVDs and you could watch all the stuff that was cut from the show and that's the stuff that's like a lot closer to the League of Gentlemen, I think. There was yeah. some really grim stuff that they did on that show. Um, but I mean, I, I will also say, like, I think it's a double-edged thing because, yeah, the people who complain about Little Britain being taken off iPlayer or whatever, I think are pretty laughable. And You're right, I don't think they cared about it until it was taken down. Like, I don't think yeah. they were watching it religiously before that. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and, you know. I mean, I'm sure someone was, but I don't think I was. Yeah, massive. and I, whoever that person was, I don't think I want. <laughs> yeah, I think they're like, uh, like a Fred Rose. <laughs> a Fred yeah. West <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like comedy's always kind of, especially British comedy, it's always been sort of pushing the envelope. I mean, you know, I recently revisited Gimme, 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 and Jesus yes. Christ, some of the content in that show is shocking. Also, com- comedy ages faster than almost anything else. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's one of those things. Like, I'm sure there's comedies on now that when we'll watch them in 10, 20 years, we'll go, ooh, how did they get away with that? You know. Well, I mean, you know, Only Fools and Horses, which is, you know, the most celebrated of all British sitcoms, has got some very questionable content in its early series. Mm. And to the point where even though, like, because I, I personally do think it is a, a, a pretty good show from a writing standpoint, it's... I would be hesitant to recommend it these days. Yeah, I mean, I've never been super into uh, Only Fools and Horses, but um... my my parents really love it, so I've seen like the entire series. Yeah, um, I've seen odd episodes here and there. It's I think it's it's a it's a fairly well written show, just from like a character standpoint. Um, mm. There is some good humor in it, but it's I think that's the real reason why that show is so popular is because the the central characters are all just really well written. Yeah, yeah, cheat yeah, I think it's because we all kind of know people like that, and it's it's yes. a, it's also nice to see a sitcom where the main characters aren't. I mean, they're good people at heart, but like they're not the most moral of people, I guess. No, well that's it, isn't it? Yeah, you want uh, sitcom characters to be getting into shenanigans and such. Yeah, exactly. Like, because the whole thing in Only Falls and Horses is like they don't, you know, they don't pay tax or anything, and they just they clearly sell stolen items and stuff. Yeah, and... yeah. And there's something kind of charming about that. I, I think yeah, Only Falls and Horses is definitely considered one of the better ones. Um, Obviously, we've mentioned Blackadder. Those are usually the two that top the polls of British uh, sitcoms. Uh, with good reason. I think they're both on the higher end of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're the ones where the writing definitely stands out, mm. I'd say. Um, even, Blackadder, also... even Blackadder has plenty of knob gags in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I really love Rick Mayle and Nate Edmondson's stuff as well. Yeah, uh, which, which is all knob gags. <laughs> yeah, the young ones. The young ones, bottom. I have really loved bottom. I've always thought bottom was. Yeah, that's actually my favourite thing of theirs. Yeah, there's still lines from the the young ones that I use on a regular basis. <laughs> we went off massively on a tangent there. Yeah, we started talking about British sitcoms for some we reason. We did. We did. Uh, I'm not against it. <laughs> we should definitely do, as as a bonus episode, the top ten worst British sitcoms. <laughs> We have to go after. We have to watch them as well. That's I the know. I know. We're going to go inside. <laughs> I tell you what, watch we, if, every episode of on the buses. I tell you, if we gain traction, people could do a watch along with us. That's what we'll La- do. Last of the summer line. <laughs> Is that considered bad? I, I don't know, but there's so it. there's so much of it that it must be bad. Yeah, isn't there like twenty odd series or something like that? There's like two thousand series of Last of the Summer. Jesus Christ! I mean, I I know that two pints of lager and a packet of crisp gets really bad critical reception, but my God, there's some good fucking jokes in that show. I don't remember that one that well. 
Oh, there's some there's some very good jokes in that show. <laughs> like really crude and crass. Don't get me wrong, but there are some such great gags in that one. But yeah, so we might. So yes, we might return with the worst British sitcoms. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can tell you what the worst British sitcom is. Uh, controversial choice, Gavin and Stacey. Not controversial to me. I I've been through this before with a few people. Gavin and Stacey, I don't think is particularly funny. But what I hate the most about it is that there's a good handful of comedy actors in it that I love. Yes, who are completely and, wasted. Yeah, I mean, well, I say handful. It's Rob Bright and Julia Davis and yeah. um, Ruth Jones. Yeah, and wasted, uh, wasted in that show. The other thing, I mean, the, I mean, look, there are British sitcoms that are like sexist, racist, uh, homophobic. But the reason Gavin and Stacey sticks out to me is because it gave James Corden a career, and frankly, that's yeah. an unforgivable sin. Yeah, I, although I will admit there is one gag in Gavin and Stacey that I do think is funny, and uh, it's where, it's where, uh, they're talking about those like, yeah, you know, Karen from down the road that can't have kids. It's like, who are you talking about, Baron Karen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's funny to me. Um, but yeah, no, yes. James Corden can, yeah, he needs to go. He away. can do one. Yeah. It's like somehow, like, Cats is a terrible movie. A really terrible movie. Mm. But did it have to have James Corden in it? Yeah, it really <laughs> does drag the movie down in my estimation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like that movie would at least got half a star. Like, There's something about the presence of Corden that is just so objectionable. Just, what, what, why is he so popular? I don't get I'm, it. I mean, we talked about actors who add stars onto uh, movies oh, in the last yeah. depletes, he's one who yeah. Yeah, he depletes stars yeah. he could be in a good movie he could be in The Godfather and it would make it a one star movie <laughs> oh god because of his cancerous presence oh, god. <laughs> I just uh, I just don't get I mean I I read that AMA uh, with him which if you haven't read it you should because so I many of the questions the que- there's so many questions that are ignored of people like, hi there, James, I was in a restaurant with you once and I was sat on the table near you and you were a massive bellend. <laughs> lo- and those are all the questions he just ignores completely. Yeah, yeah, shocking, shocking. Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, I think it's probably about time we wrap this up because we have gone on a series yes, well, of we've gotten to, We've gotten to know Mark. We've gotten to know that he loves on the buses. Um, <laughs> I do not the, love on the buses. That's the main takeaway. His favourite probably... movie is Mutiny on the Buses. <laughs> that is probably <laughs> the best of those movies. I don't know. The fact um... that you have a go-to best on the buses movie <laughs> both, sicken, both sickens me and is why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're gonna have to do the on the buses movies, aren't we? I really hope we get some American listeners and they just have to listen. And they just sat through <laughs> us talking about on the buses, going, "What the fuck is on the buses?" <laughs> and then they go and watch it. <laughs> Look it up. It's British culture, British heritage. Oh, it must. It must be on fucking Britbox, surely. It must be on. That. Oh god, I mean, some of the stuff they have on there, I should have to think. Oh yeah, like I've been, I've been kind of morbidly curious about seeing what's on Britbox. Yeah, I've been using a friend's Britbox and um, mostly to watch old episodes of Doctor Who. That's the only reason to get it, really. Because um, of... yeah, it's kind of like it, it, basically that is what they sold it on. Is like you can pay a fiver a month to have the entire classic series of Doctor Who at your disposal. Which not a bad deal, to be honest. Yeah, let's face yeah. it. They've got some other good stuff. Like they've got the Avengers. Okay, yeah, they've got the, the, the prop, the proper Avengers, not the um, yeah, not, not the, the yeah. yeah, the one with no. Diana Rigg. But I know 
the only original thing they've made is they've brought Spitting Image back, and I've heard it's bloody awful. Oh, mate. Oh, God. We don't have time, but it's awful. <laughs> yeah, I've been told it's like yeah. it's just lost all... Like all the bite it ever had is just gone. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't know if Spitting Image was ever that great to begin with, but, like, this new version is... It is, it is wank. Yeah, I get that. I've seen, like, little mini clips of it online, and it just... It, because I've seen bits of the original series. I mean, I know that their version of Maggie Thatcher, she was uh, portrayed as being a bloke, so she's always, like, shaving off her facial hair and stuff. Yeah, yeah humour that Which, hasn't necessarily uh, aged well. No, but at least, you know, they would be... That's quite savage and vicious, I guess, yeah, whereas this yeah. new series doesn't seem to have any of that. Yeah, it's just kind of, like, tepid celebrity impressions, really, is what it is. It's like 2D TV levels, if you remember that. We were talking about losing drag. American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from on the fucking buses to a lower low to 2D TV. Uh, that's Kino Inferno, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, let's wrap it up there before we start yes. talking about um, Some Mothers Do Have Them. <laughs> <laughs> that is a classic, my friend. That is a classic. Yeah, see, that's legitimately good, is what <laughs> so... I would say. <laughs> I really hope we have just one American listener who's so enamoured with our show that they're going to look up all these things <laughs> and start watching fucking Some Mothers Do Have <laughs> Oh, Frank Spencer. The, the, the campus straight bloke ever. <laughs> it is Some Mothers Do Have Frank Spencer's Some Mothers Do Have isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Michael yeah, Crawford, yeah. And yeah, Michelle, yeah, yeah. And, he goes, and Michelle Detrice. Yeah. He goes, all Betty. Yeah, I like the fact that he had a daughter in that show. I was like, Frank Spencer was able to procreate. Is, oh is no, what... that's somebody else. That's somebody else. <laughs> like Michelle Detrice's character is just shagging the neighbor. <laughs> yeah, there's a milkman who looks just like her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that bombshell. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time, guys. Thank you for listening. Maybe we should start sitcom things. Inferno. Let us know if you want it. Let us know if you want it, guys. No, you you no have the power. That. You have the no power to make that. Sitcom Inferno a thing. No one wants that. I. Anyway. Sayonara. Goodbye. <laughs> that was uh, that was a display of mental illness. That was. <laughs>